You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and spectacular TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you. Indeed we do. And as usual, our disclaimer... We are not real therapists, but we are real TV and movie critics. So, Rafer, shall we get to it with this week's letters? Yes, let's do this. Our first letter is from Kate. Kate writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I've decided I'm tired of being sick of life all the time. So I've decided to start incorporating gratitude into my daily routine. The problem is the pandemic has taken away a lot I was grateful for. I know that the end is in sight, but I still think this is an important thing for me to do for my own sake. Do you have any TV show or movie recommendations for someone who wants to see the good in the mundane and learn to appreciate the little things? P.S. I adore your show. Oh, Kate, thank you so much. even has a little smiley emoji there. I love that. Yes, she does. Now, Rafer, would you say you're somebody who's good at gratitude? No, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) It's like... It's like a massive failing of mine. Good at gratitude. No, I'm happily married. I've got two kids. I've got a great job. I live in a great neighborhood. And I'm always grousing about something. God, I'm always walking around going, why me? Why me? Why, God? Why? Why have you done this to me? Yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a an awful thing of mine. Um, and my wife, of course, is great at it. She's great. She's always grateful for things. She's always, you know, taking the time to look at nature and the the doves that are outside our window uh, who've uh, made their home in the trees across from our window and oh she's 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 great at it and she is she is I'll just tell you much much happier in general than I am <laughs> but Kristen you seem like a very a very grateful person you seem like someone who stops and smells the roses oh I love to smell the roses and I'm just so thrilled to hear that you guys have doves as well we have doves also and we put out food for the doves. Yeah, we do too. We talk to the doves each day. We love those doves. Yeah. We... Doves don't need food. No. But we put it out anyway. No, they live <laughs> in the city. There's food everywhere. There's a million garbage cans. They don't need us, but Yeah, they're completely fine. I know. I think it's the I think it's the pandemic. I think um don't you feel like the sort of city wildlife is out in full force in a way that it didn't used to be oh, yes. during the pandemic? The doves, the squirrels, these birds I've never seen before. I feel like they're all 
in a in a in what sometimes makes me feel like it's sort of a post-apocalypse way, but it, often in a good way. I think it's nice to have all these birds around. <laughs> oh my gosh, Rafer, I have to interject because I think I hear a little bit of appreciation and gratitude in your voice right now. Me? No. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> now I personally love gratitude. You know, I know you I, do. I do. <laughs> the grouchy look on your face as you say that. <laughs> No, listen, I'm with you. I just, I wish I were better at it. I wish I were better at, at expressing the gratitude. What What are you going to recommend uh, to Kate, Kristen? All right. Well, please don't kill me, Rafer, and listeners, please don't kill me. <laughs> I'm choosing another Christmas movie, but I swear <laughs> this is the best prescription for this predicament, Kate. I promise. I am prescribing Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory from ABC Stage 67 from 1966. ABC Stage 67 was one of those like kind of live theater or prestige shows that was on back in the day. And this is an amazing movie, which also happens to be available in six parts on YouTube. And it's also available for rent in a few different places. Um, Interesting. Yes, but it is an amazing, beautiful black and white movie that is based on Truman Capote's recollection of his youth in the rural South during the Great Depression. And back then, he was a 10-year-old boy living with his much older relative, he calls his cousin, who had kind of a childlike mind. The two were best friends. Yes. And the movie follows their final Christmas together, baking 30 fruitcakes for mostly faraway friends and for uh, President FDR and exchanging homemade presents with each other and feeling grateful for the little things like, you know, strings and paper and clouds and friendship and frost on windows and... You know, I got to say, it probably sounds really cheesy, but it is absolutely beautiful and heartbreaking. And best of all, Truman Capote narrates the whole thing. Oh, wow. And Geraldine Page plays his cousin in the most beautiful way. Here's a clip. A coming of winter morning more than 30 years ago. The person to whom she is speaking is myself. We are cousins, very distant ones, and we have lived together well as long as I can remember. Other people inhabit the house, relatives, and though they have power over us and frequently make us cry, we are not on the whole too much aware of them. We are each other's best friend. She calls me Buddy in memory of a boy who was formerly her best friend. The other buddy died in the 1880s when she was still a child. She is still a child. As you were describing this, I realized that I'd heard of the the memoir. Uh, I've heard, I'd heard of the, of the Christmas memory itself, but I don't think I had any idea that it was ever produced or adapted at all, uh, especially with Truman Capote narrating. That's, uh, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, Rafer, you have to see it. And you don't have to wait until Christmas to see it. You can watch it right now because Truman Capote's distinctive voice is such a gift. Yes. That'll alone give you something to be grateful for. And then, yeah, <laughs> Geraldine Page's outstanding acting but just also appreciating those tiny things in life. And yes, I understand it's probably cliche to recommend a Depression-era storyline to teach us about what really matters, but it 
in this case, it's a beautiful way to see these little things in life. The crisp air, I appreciate it. This fruit, this rum, I can appreciate these little things. And when those things are gone, and when the people I shared those moments with, when they're gone, I can still look back and be grateful for the memories. And I'm going to try not to get too emotional here. I cry every time I see this movie. I can be grateful for the fact that I was loved. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it it... it it really is. Uh, I do know what you're saying uh, about um, savoring the moment uh, and and being in the moment. That's also a real big thing with me that um, I'm not that good at, and that I'm really trying to do <laughs> a lot a lot more of sort of being in the moment uh, and enjoying what's going on now. Very difficult for me, oh. but this sounds great. Well, I hope you watch this, Rafer and Kate. I hope you watch it too because it really is about just those tiny things, appreciating the little things. And someday you're going to look back and be grateful you had this moment, even if you don't know that you're going to be grateful for it right now. I think that's very true. But what about you, Rafer? What are you going to prescribe, Kate? Well, I'm going to prescribe a movie from uh, just a few years ago from 2017 called Patterson with Adam Driver. Did you ever see this movie, Kristen? I never saw it. No, I do like Adam Driver. This movie is pretty much, you know, 95% Adam Driver. Um, and he is a guy named Patterson. That's with one T. He's a bus driver. And strangely enough, he lives in Patterson, New Jersey. And he is a poet. Mm. And one of his favorite things to do is go down to the Passaic River Bank and write poetry, just like another famous New Jersey poet, William Carlos Williams, used to do. <gasps> so every day, uh, Patterson drives around Patterson, takes his lunch break at the river, knocks off work afterwards, goes to his local bar, has one glass of beer, goes home. He's happily married to a woman named Laura, played by uh, Golshifta Farani, the Iranian actress. She's uh, kind of his soulmate. She mostly stays at home. She's kind of a housewife. There's no kids. Uh, but she bakes these um, highly aesthetic cookies. And she's always redoing the apartment in these very striking ways. So here you have these two people who are living creative lives, but they're not professional artists. They just enjoy what they do. And here's a clip. Another one. When you're a child, you learn there are three dimensions, height, width, and depth, like a shoebox. Then later you hear there's a fourth dimension, time. Hmm. Then some say there can be five, six, seven. I knock off work, have a beer at the bar, I look down at the glass and feel glad. Oh, I love anything that references William Carlos Williams. Right. I mean, I love a lot of poetry, but William Carlos Williams, so special. I did not know that. I did not know you were a, a Williams fan. All right. Um, so he, what you have here uh, is a movie that seems to be about nothing, but it's it's really about these very large questions and exactly the kind of questions that Kate, our listener, is asking. Um, you know, what... What are you doing and how are you doing it? Um, are you a poet? If nobody reads your poetry, uh, if no one's going to read it, why write it? Um, maybe writing poetry helps you appreciate life more. Maybe, maybe you don't have to be a poet. Maybe you can just go down to the banks of that river and not write poetry and just feel the poetry of the moment. And that would be enough. Um, and so, you know, I, if, I, if I have any little uh, criticism of this movie, it's... Uh, partly to do with the fact that it's directed by Jim Jarmusch, who is um, such a hipster. And I like Jim Jarmusch, but he's, he's, he's so hip. And um, there's a little, 
there's a little something about the way he kind of romanticizes this the sort of this, this small town and the kind of working class that I find a tiny bit, just a tiny bit condescending. I suspect that he's kind of fallen into that that sort of hipster romance, like how cool the trucker cap and the can of capsed beer is kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? But But I do feel that he's also kind of struggling with it here. I do feel like he's trying to get into the head of this guy who is really, when you get down to it, just trying to exist and beautify his life and feel it and enjoy it and appreciate it. Um, and so that's what I like about this movie. And again, as I say, this is like 95% Adam Driver, uh, but it's a really lovely movie. It's a lovely movie. It's a lovely picture of a, of a kind of a quirky, tender marriage too, um, which I find um, really touching. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out. I do love movies where people just get to be creative and not do it for a career and not do it for accolades, right. but do it because something in their heart says, I need to make something beautiful. There's something really like outstanding about that. And I don't feel like we get to see it very often. So I'm going to check that out. I totally agree. Yeah. My wife is always saying to me, well, does it bring you joy? And I always just feel like, I don't even know what you're talking about when you ask me that. Uh, but But it's a great question. It's a good question. And I'm glad she asks it. Uh, okay, so uh, our recommendations uh, from, from Kristen Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory, uh, an ABC Stage 67 production that's available on YouTube and on Amazon Prime. And for me, Patterson, which you can find pretty much anywhere, I think. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, as always, we'd love to thank all of you out there who write us the fabulous reviews that you write us in Apple Podcasts. For example, Susie in Nashville recently gave us five stars and wrote, Dear Abby meets Siskel and Ebert. I love this podcast. Good advice partnered with a movie to help the letter writer with their requests. Thank you, Rafer and Kristen, for creating this podcast. Well, thank you, Susie in Nashville. What a great name. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Love it. And oh my, any comparison to Siskel and Ebert. I mean, right. I'll, I'll take Siskel, Ebert, or Dear Abby, all of them. We'll take it. <laughs> all right. Stay with us. When we're back, we have someone who's constantly questioning her decision to become a mother. With Game Pass. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> 
A though she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she or she, call the police or call the police like <laughs> she should have. Exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. We are back with our second letter of the week. Kristen, I'll let you handle this one. All right. This is from Not Emily M. Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm constantly questioning my decision to become a mother. I have three kids, ages five, two, and one. None is in school or daycare. While I try to run a part-time graphic design business and my husband works from home with no home office or a door to close. There is so much noise and talking and crying and yelling and screaming on everyone's part, except for my husband, who spends most of his day with his noise-canceling earphones on. Anytime my husband and I try to have a conversation, my kids are interrupting us and demanding attention. At the end of the day, I have no energy to do anything, let alone find something to watch with my husband. It's our only time for us for like 90 minutes before I'm too tired and go to bed. I love this letter. I could barely I could barely even get to the end of it because my concentration is so shot from living exactly this life. <laughs> uh, it's so it's 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 hauntingly familiar this letter. Uh I I've I've only got two kids uh and they're older. Um you know, 5, 2 and 1. That's a lot uh to handle. And um I just have to admit, uh, that's most likely why your husband's got his noise-canceling earphones on. That's why I put them on. That's why I work all day with mine on. Uh, it's not right. It's not fair. That's a husband thing, I think. It's not a good thing. We apologize. I apologize to you, not Emily, and on behalf of your husband and all husbands. Um, but it's true. We do it. Yeah, Emily, maybe the case is you don't regret becoming a parent. You regret not becoming a dad because Dads get to put on <laughs> headphones and block everyone out while moms Ouch. have to do everything else, right? Ouch. <laughs> Just twist that knife, Kristen. <laughs> twist that knife. Yeah. Um, it, uh, so, you know, really, if we're going to if we're going to give any uh, concrete advice here, um, you you might want to ask your husband to maybe take those earphones off and at least a little bit and check in here and there, which I try to do. Uh, I'm glad my wife is not here hearing that, uh, because I'm sure she might have something to say about that. But I try to do that. And I try to uh, to tune in. But it's true. It's true. Uh, I, I, I really will say that one of the worst things about the pandemic is that I do honestly, quite sincerely find that my attention span is is just been decimated. I, ca I can't concentrate on anything for any amount of time. And exactly for that reason, people people will speak and somebody else will interrupt them, and I will interrupt them, and then somebody will interrupt me, and then it's just like it's like a it's like a Beckett play or something. It's like nobody ever gets to <laughs> say anything meaningful or finish a thought, and and it's it's just we we've actually taken we've actually taken to saying things like I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. 
because because otherwise people will just talk right over you. They just bulldoze right through you. Um, it's so difficult. It's so difficult. Oh, God. it's It sounds so tough. And kids that age really are, I got to say, um, you're not alone in this, are a source of misery for lots of parents. I mean, I'm sure you've read the studies out there. Uh, there was a famous article in, I think it was New York Magazine about 10 years ago called I love my children. I hate my life. Yes, right. I remember that one. Sure. You remember. It It was very famous. Everyone remembers that one. It got circulated like crazy. And uh, a lot of studies have been done on early parenthood and happiness. And you are not alone, not Emily M. Most people, when they have very young children, hour by hour, day by day, rate themselves the lowest of all people when it comes to their happiness. Yeah. It is a lot of work. I'm sure you love your children, but there's a difference between loving your children and loving the job of parenting, especially loving the job of parenting under the current circumstances. So um, you're not alone in that. There's actually scientific studies that show that this is a common thing. This is the regular thing, the normal thing, actually. So you're not alone in this. Oh, the lack, the lack of sleep alone will do you in. Oh, um, yeah. And that's, and that's coming from a dad. You know, it's it's the moms who take the brunt of that, too. But, yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of heavy lifting with uh, with little kids. Yeah. I mean, so I guess my advice would be, you know, as far as regretting becoming a parent, I also want to say there is more and more research being done on that as well, where a lot of people, you know, you're not supposed to admit out loud. I regret having kids, but there are support groups for that, too. And there are tons of online communities because more and more people are coming to terms with the fact of. I thought this was going to be this, but it's actually this. And that doesn't make you a bad person for feeling that way, you know? Totally. There are a lot of really great people in this world who feel that way. It doesn't make them bad people, and you are not alone in that. So, yeah, my advice is, you know, look for those other people who feel the same way. Uh, If you can, you know, read some of those little bits and pieces of those studies. I'm not saying to read like a 10,000 you know, page uh, in-depth study, but, you know, read bits and pieces because I think it'll make you feel less alone. And then also just remember your job is not to keep all of this together. Your husband is making it seem like maybe it's your job, but you don't have to have a perfect house right now. And Nora Roberts, the author, once said, when it comes to managing everything in your life, remember there are glass balls and there are plastic balls. You only have to keep the glass balls in the air. The plastic balls, you don't need to worry about that. And I know it probably feels like you're keeping a lot of balls in the air right now, but just, you know, keep in mind that not all the balls are glass. And are there some that maybe you can just let drop? And are there things that even your five and two-year-old might even be able to help you with a little bit around the house? I know that my Nana had me doing chores at five and two. Not big ones, but just little things like, here, set the table. Here, do this, you know? Oh, God, start them early. Start them early because the earlier the better. Because let me let me tell you, we started ours late and and now it's just like pulling teeth, you know? To get them to do dishes, sweep the, sweep the uh, do the carpet sweeper, vacuum, clean the bathroom. Oh, my God, it's tough. If we had started, if started them early. But five and two-year-olds think it's a game. Oh, yeah. Five and two-year-olds are like, let me. Let me. I want to do that. Let me use the carpet sweeper. God damn, we missed that. We missed that phase. Oh, Ugh. regrets. Regrets. Of course, we'd also be totally remiss if we did not also mention your husband needs to be pulling his weight. This should not all be on your shoulders. He needs to be taking care of these kids. They're his kids, too. So, Kristen, what are you going to recommend to not Emily M.? It is called The Letdown, and it is currently on Netflix. It has been on for a couple of seasons now. Do you know The Letdown, Rafer? 
I don't at all. Oh, you need to check this out, Rafer. You need to check it out. Okay. So The Letdown is an Australian situation comedy. It centers on Audrey. She's an exhausted new mom who's really struggling with parenthood. She joins a support group, and she meets other mothers who are also struggling. And along the way, she learns that she's not completely alone in her misery and that, yes, for most people, parenthood is nowhere near the idyllic picture sold to us in mainstream popular mythology. Um, here's a clip of her in her support group. After each of them were told to bring in their favorite parenting book, she misunderstood the message and she brought in Frankenstein instead. Here you go. Did you read the body of the email? May not have read the body of it. Right. Um, but it's not entirely off topic. It's a cautionary tale about creating a monster. So <laughs> I actually marked a bit for us. Um, yeah, listen to this. <laughs> By the dim and yellow light of the moon, I beheld the wretch, the miserable monster whom I had created. <laughs> it's funny. It's beautiful prose. I'm sorry, I'm very tired. I've been doing a lot of night driving. Stevie seems to think we live in the Northern Hemisphere. But I highly recommend this uh, to anyone who wants to read something other than the parenting. Any other babies with day-night confusion? Nope. Uh, no. 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 Really? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, that is pretty funny. Um, and uh, now that my older son is entering his teen years, um, boy, it's got some uh, it's got some comparisons uh, there. That's pretty that's pretty funny. You're not saying he's a monster, are you? No, no. But listen, they get more difficult to control, you know, uh, when they get when they get a little older. Uh, and, you know, you got to uh, you got to make your peace with that. Um, that's that sounds very funny. Uh, it's funny. You don't see too many um, Australian imports, especially when it comes to TV. I feel like you get it, you, we're getting it from all over the place, but not so many from Australia. That's interesting. No, I feel like mostly we get the reality shows from Australia. We don't get oh, a lot right. of scripted things from Australia. But this is a really good one. It is funny. It's honest. Sometimes it's very, very sad. Hmm. And, you know, it shows all the pressures and judgments that women put on each other to do motherhood right. But also, even more importantly, it shows the pressures that women put on themselves. And um, I think that it's very kind in how it does that. It's not judgmental at all. It's just very funny. And it's also very frank about everything from, you know, bladder control issues to the uh -huh. complete disappearance of sex to, you know, the complete disappearance of sleep, which you already mentioned, Rafer. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm sorry, not Emily M. This is not going to give you a respite from your life in any way, but I do think that it might make you feel a little bit less alone, or I hope it does. No, that sounds good. And I know what you're saying, Kristen. When when we got this letter, I was kind of wondering if she wanted something to watch and share with her husband in those in those precious ninety minutes before sleep, which I also know well. Um, <laughs> or if she or if our listener was looking for something that would sort of help her with the the motherhood problem. So I yeah, I know what you mean there. Yeah. Well, what then did you decide on Rafer to prescribe? Well, I, I, I went a little bit in the same direction that you did um, to sort of focus on this issue of, of motherhood. Um, and I chose this movie called 20th Century Women uh, by Mike Mills, the director, writer, um, one of my favorites. He's the guy who did Beginners with Christopher Plummer. Mm -hmm. um, yes. This is uh, pretty clearly... Uh, clearly, almost purely autobiographical film, it seems like. Um, and it's it might seem a little off-point 
when I'm describing this, but bear with me. Um, so it's about a, a kid, a boy named Jamie. He's 15. He's growing up in Southern California in Santa Barbara on the cusp of the, of the 1980s. Uh, his mom is Dorothea, played by Annette Benning. Obviously, when Annette Benning's in a movie, you should go see it. Um, and Dorothea, this character, she's kind of a... I don't know. She's like a post hippie. You know, she's like running a boarding house. She's kind of a bohemian. She's a single mom, doesn't really know how to raise this kid. So she gets a couple of other women in the neighborhood to help her. Um, one is Abby, played by Greta Gerwig. She's a photographer. The other is Julie. She's uh, 17, a little closer to Jamie's age. Um, She's a neighborhood girl who's a little fast, shall we say, and she's played by Elle Fanning. And Abby is supposed to teach Jamie about cool music and art and feminism. Julie is supposed to be kind of the protective older sister. It doesn't work out very well, as you can already tell. Jamie is going to fall in love with Julie, and he does. Here's a clip. You're good at hiding stuff, huh? My mom calls it compartmentalizing. Apparently I do that a lot. Are you helping him? I'm trying. Really? What about you? Have you thought about your impact on him? It's always about the mother. Do you think you've moved on since his dad? You know that you're not actually a therapist? I've had new guys, okay? No one appropriate. Appropriate? Guys you're not going to risk anything with. Men you don't even really like. Listen, you're 17, okay? Maybe you don't know what's good about these guys that I really like. I'm talking about you. You never seem into it. Now, Rafer, why are you prescribing 20th century woman in this case? Because you're right, it does not seem like an obvious choice. It, it isn't, but here's, here's one thing about the movie, that even though this is, this is a coming-of-age film about a teenage boy, and, and the real issue here is kind of what it means to be a, a boy raised by women, and that's sort of a whole different thing than what our listener is asking. But the reason I recommend it is just that the, really the heart and the soul of this movie is Dorothea, the mom. Um, and it's it's a, really about how she's an imperfect parent, and that's okay. And and it's pretty clear that Mike Mills made this movie as a tribute to his own mom. You know, this character is flawed. She's a little clueless. She's got some terrible ideas, as in the whole idea she had of getting other people to raise her kid for her, especially a 17-year-old. Terrible idea. <laughs> but she's trying. She's trying, and that's what's important, and her love is real. And after all is said and done, and Jamie is a grown man, and he's out of the house, um, his love for his mother is is kind of literally indescribable. One of the last things in this film, and I don't think it's spoiling too much, is Jamie trying to explain to someone how much he loves his mother, and he literally just can't. He can't find the words. He loves her so much. And so it, that's what made me think of this film you know, to just tell our listener, like, it's going to be okay. You're you're going to raise these kids the best they can. They will love you. You will love them. And it will, it will be okay. There, there are worse parents out there in the world and their kids still love them. You know, that's how it goes. And it's going to be all right. When all is said and done, it will be all right. Oh, I love that message, Rafer. Yeah. That big picture message. Mine is so much about like, 
the nitty gritty of what you're in right now, but yours is kind of like a view from a thousand feet. Oh, yeah. And I think that's really a good reminder. Yeah. You know, just to remember this too shall pass. And when it does pass, there's still going to be love there. There will be. Totally. Totally. So once again, those prescriptions are from Rafer, 20th century woman, and for me, The Letdown on Netflix. Okay, we're going to take one more quick break, but before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good TV or movie recommendation? Use the contact form at raferandkristen.com. You don't have to use your real name. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call out the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Woods, Stephen Canales, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Day Chanel, Joe Biafra, Ari Fessenden, Nicole Olsen, Shaka King, Lee Daniels, Rosalind Chow, Clancy Brown, Jarvis Smith, Ike Arnold, Steve Arquette, Thomas Wilder, Jennifer and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. There is a corner of Los Angeles where dreams are brought to life. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Made in Mars! Top of the world! Where legends are made. Oh, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories. Tales of heroism, villainy, betrayal, passion, tragedy, and triumph that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood. Available now wherever you get podcasts. We are back with this week's What Should I Watch Next Letter. Rafer, take it away. Okay, this one is from Rachel. Rachel says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I've always been a big romance and drama movie watcher. That sounds like you, Kristen. (laughs) And I've never been one to seek out action or comedy movies in the same way. But a few months ago, I watched Logan Lucky at the recommendation of a friend and was surprised by how much I loved it. Since then, I've been on a heist movie kick. And in the past couple of months, I've watched a ton of them. I'm still in the mood for more heist movies or TV shows, and I'd really love ones that have a more diverse cast and better representation. What should I watch next? Wow. Well, speaking of Adam Driver, Adam Driver is the headliner in Logan Lucky. You know this movie, right, Rafer? Yes, I do. Uh, it's Adam Driver, and it is Channing Tatum, and it's a Steven Soderbergh movie from uh, a few years ago. Uh, I can't remember how many years ago. It's the one where they where they robbed the NASCAR Speedway, as I recall, right? Yes, yes. It's really, it's basically, it was, it was Steven Soderbergh's sort of... Uh, Sort of the poor man's Ocean's Eleven 
essentially, right? Exactly. That is such a good way to put it. Yes. Yes. And it's funny and fun and all the acting is great. Uh, yeah, it, it was a, it really, it really flew under the radar. It was not a huge hit. Critics were kind of like, meh. But I remember thinking, oh, what a total treat. Like this was completely enjoyable. I was completely glad I sat through it. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to hear anyone even bring up the title because I feel like nobody ever talks about Logan Lucky. Yeah. I mean, I really don't remember when it came out it having any buzz at all. Do you? No. No, none. I think I think people were really just completely underwhelmed by it. But it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, so, Kristen, uh, what are you going to recommend in terms of a heist movie? This is a tricky one because you've got someone who clearly has been delving into heist movies, and so I was really I was really paranoid that I was going to recommend something too obvious. Yeah, likewise, likewise. And I love a heist movie, but I feel like a lot of the heist movies I'm into probably have already been seen by Rachel here. I'm guessing. Yeah, right. Could be. So I tried to go um, in a slightly different direction and choose something that a lot of people think of as a coming-of-age movie, even though the title of the movie makes it clear it's a heist movie. I'm talking Deidre and Lainey Rob a Train from 2017 on Netflix. Do you know this movie, Rafer? No, I don't. Oh, that delights me. The fact that you don't know this movie makes me think maybe there's a chance, Rachel, you haven't seen it yet. So Deidre and Lainey are two teenage girls. Their mother, Marigold, is in jail. And they're left to support themselves because of that. And in order to get money to pay the bills, avoid foster care, take care of their younger brother, they decide we're going to start robbing trains. And along the way, they rekindle old relationships and find out who is to be trusted among their family and friends. Here's a clip. So, how does one rob a train? We board the train, pick boxes. Where'd you get all this? Do you want the stuff or not? I am Pacific Railroad's top investigator. I typically take down criminal syndicates. <laughs> you are not nobody. You are a badass who robs trains. <laughs> that cracked my case. <laughs> Are you sure about this? Sure about what? Oh, you mean the robbery that we've been planning all week? Yeah, I'm sure about it. Now, there are a few reasons I'm recommending this. One, because a lot of people I know who've seen a lot of heist movies still have not seen Deidre and Lainey rob a train. So that's reason number one, because I was hoping that maybe you haven't seen it. Number two, it is two people represented in this movie who you don't normally see in heist movies, two teenage girls who are half black. Sure. And then three, I just think it's a delight. This movie is so sweet, and the relationship between the girls is wonderful to watch. And, you know, you just want to cheer for them. And that's the best kind of heist movie in my mind, is the ones where you really want to cheer for the people to get away with it. And I'm not going to say if they do get away with it, but it's a delight. It really is. Oh, that sounds great. I mean, I, I'm surprised this uh, this passed me by because, I mean, a, a teen heist movie really just sounds like it's got me written all over it. I mean, that just, that sounds... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds perfect. You would love this movie, Rafer. You would cheer. I think you would really oh, like great. it. Yeah. Great, great. But what about you? What are you going to prescribe here to Rachel? I'm hoping Rachel hasn't seen this. It's also on Netflix. Um, all roads lead to Netflix <laughs> these days. Um, you know they've got 22 nominations at the Golden Globes, by the way. It just that's just in the that's in the movie category. Holy smoky! Not even including Emily in Paris. That's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're laughing about because we all know that they were paid off. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. 
Oh, the HFPA. Oh, my God. So easy to buy off. Just buy them a trip to Paris and they'll nominate you for two Golden Globes. <laughs> I know. I love but it. But I digress. I digress. Sorry, Ray. You digress. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, all right. So the, the show that I have chosen is a, a, a new show that just came out last month. And I'm, you're going to have to bear with me on my pronunciation here. I think it is pronounced Lupin. L-U-P-I-N. Um, and this is a show from France. Uh, the star is Omar C from uh, The Intouchables, the movie about the guy in the wheelchair, and he's hired to take care of him. Do you remember that movie from maybe oh, 10 yeah. years ago? Yes, 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 of course. Tall, tall black guy, um, you know, uh, he, sort of huge muscular dude. Um, he plays a guy named Asan. And when we meet him, he's pretty clearly down in his luck. He's a janitor at the Louvre, which sort of tips us off to a little something. But it's a janitor job, doesn't pay that well, and he owes some money to some very, very, very bad guys. Well, Asan makes these guys a proposition. Uh, hey, guys, what if we could steal something really valuable from the Louvre and you could get your money that way? There's this necklace that uh, once belonged to Marie Antoinette, and it just happens to be going up for auction. Well, Asan knows all the ins and outs of the sort of corridors below the Louvre. They pull off the heist, which goes swimmingly until the moment when it all goes terribly, terribly wrong. And here's a clip. 25 years, I believe my father was a thief. I grew up with that. 25 years ago, he framed my dad. Come on. Let go of me! You want revenge on Pellegrini? Who gonna stop me in my moment? I'm a janitor at the Louvre. The artwork that I clean, they're worth millions. Next Friday, a foundation will put a necklace up for auction. The necklace belonged to Marie Antoinette. We're gonna steal it. Go in as janitors and come out millionaires. Any questions? All right. So that is the trailer in English. So is the movie available dubbed in English also, Rafer? Yes. And I think what happens here is, um, at least on my Netflix, it defaulted to the English language dub version. And so we, we, we're playing that just so that you can hear some dialogue and get a sense of it. Otherwise, it would be in French. But you can, if you go into those Netflix settings, which I find uh, maddeningly complicated, you can go into those <laughs> Netflix settings and adjust it so that you can get the original uh, French, which I think is obviously the best way uh, to watch this. Anyway, this is a really enjoyable uh, heist sort of movie slash series. It's a limited series. Um, and by the way, uh, Lupin, again, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That's the name of a famous fictional burglar in French literature uh, from sort of the early 1900s. Like a, the impression I get is that it's like a children's classic about a gentleman's thief. Uh, and it's our hero's favorite book. It was given to him by his father. And therein lies an even, an even bigger backstory than the necklace heist. So you've got this larger sort of plot behind it all that has to do with a fabulously rich family and Assan's dad and the necklace. And it's a lot of fun. And like I say, it's just like Logan Lucky because Omar C just plays one of these great, awesome, cool characters who's just always a step ahead, smartest guy in the room. No one can get anything past him. And you just know that everything is going to turn out totally awesome. And that's fun. And it's it's a lot of fun. And the production values look really high. I'm pretty sure that's the actual Louvre that they're in Ooh. in the opening in the opening uh, episode. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm going to have to definitely check that out. And Rachel, we hope you check these out as well. So again, those recommendations are from Rafer Lupin. And for me, Deidre and Lainey rob a train both on Netflix. And Kristen, that is it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. I guess it is. It's time to rob a train. Or just look <laughs> out the window and appreciate the doves, right? <laughs> 
Look at the parking lot, Larry. I don't know if anyone's gonna. I don't know if anyone will know that joke, but if you do, write to us. Uh, listen, everybody, we're here for you. If you need us in the coming week, reach out to us on Twitter at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meitzer. And if you haven't already, join our Facebook community at facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. You can share your own movie suggestions there. You can ask questions. You can debate. And please tell your friends about our show. It really does help a lot. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.